Welcome back to Decolonizing Ideas, an occasional podcast series from the Institute for Advanced Studies in the Humanities at the University of Edinburgh. Our first episode featured a conversation between Dr. Ali Kassam and Dr. Nadine Deka about how their scholarship relates to practices and theories of decoloniality and broader issues of coloniality in the Arab-speaking majority world. This episode complements that conversation, with the two reconnecting to discuss three questions surrounding decoloniality. What is the meaning of decoloniality? What do Ali and Nadine recommend reading? And what art forms would they recommend relating to decoloniality? Please enjoy this bonus episode of Decolonizing Ideas. So there were three questions that we, you know, would be great to, to, to reflect on. And the first one is the meaning of decoloniality and what decoloniality means. Yeah. So I think even though we touched a lot on that, but we can reflect um, perhaps from our own understanding. So I see, I see decoloniality as a process of constantly like questioning and interrogating our ideas and concepts um, that basically are a reflection uh, or a reflection of colonialism in the past and its continued existence in our present everyday life. And, and I think it's a process that we have to engage in, not just academically, uh, but also, um, you know, as, 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 every, as people living, um, whether it's, it's in, in, in a region like, and I'm going to put this in quotation mark, the Arab world or um, in, in, in another place. So basically, it's a, it's a, cost, it's a constant process of questioning um, in order to come to terms with the history of colonialism, um, which obviously has continued, which obviously continues to exist today in different forms. Absolutely, I, I mean I, that's obviously very similar to me. What I what I might say a bit more to, uh, on that is that well, for me, this whole decolonial thing really is very very much informed by Latin American decolonial thought mm-hmm. um, and this idea that modernity something that began with the colonization of the Americas in 1492, which was this moment when these different things were happening, um, including, you know, things very, very relevant to the region, because sometimes that, that gets erased. But um, so very much that modernity is a canon, so that we live in a Eurocentrically modern world, um, yeah. and that really centers the epistemological, so that we have these different, there are different forms of knowing the world and of engaging with the world and of being in the world that have long existed in different indigenous communities across the world and in different civilizations and so on um, that have been erased systematically over the past 500 years. And it's really this idea that, well, the one we have isn't really working. It's not, you know, it's not delivering any of its promises and it's destroying the planet. So if we are to think of alternative modes of being and alternative knowledges, there's a lot that we can think alongside different indigenous communities and different civilizations that have long been saying this isn't going to work and that this isn't working. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, you know, decoloniality is very much about reclaiming and re-legitimizing other forms of knowing the world and other forms of being in the world. But it's also very much, you know, it's, it, it, it is eventually a very structural thing and also a very material thing as well. Because the way these knowledges get erased, uh, how they have been erased and how they continue to be erased is very much material and very much structural. So there are, that, that question is, is, a, is is a major issue of how can we have an an alternative form of being in the world that, that doesn't do this. Um, so that, that's, yeah, that's, but, but again, no, 
absolutely what, what you were saying in terms of the legacies of, of empire and how it structures this and what possibilities are there. So for, and for, for me, what I, what I would say is in terms of um, recommendations, if people are interested in reading more about this, I mean, obviously there are different things people might be interested in reading. So of course, there's the more academic stuff that particularly for me, the, the stuff that I find really insightful is, is mostly the stuff that is coming out of, you know, Latin American decolonial thought. So the work of Walter Mignolo, um, like he has a really good book. I mean, he has a really good book uh, called The Darker Side of Western Modernity. Um, or even better than Mignolo, uh, the work of Ramon Grosbukel and, and Medina Tostanova. And um, Medina Tostanova, you know, she's not Latin American, she, but she, she's in conversation with that group uh, very powerfully. But also, of course, you know, we have the work of Gurinder Bambra and so on who have been having these different post-anti and decolonial conversations. But beyond, so, so academically, I think those are the most powerful spaces or sites um, to, to think through the decolonial. But of course, there's there's that, there's everything that exists in, is it within the academic or not, you know? So the work of yeah. Franz Fanon, for example, which is incredibly influential for, which has been incredibly influential for my thinking, um, which is, you know, I don't know if Fanon would identify as having written academic texts and, and, and what that means. But, but, you know, if you ask me what, if I need to read one book, I'd definitely be like, pick any Fanon books and make sure you read that. That's like the most important thing you need to read. Um, and they are more accessible, perhaps, than, than the academic books written. that you would Yeah, yeah, read. absolutely. And beautifully written. I mean, Fanon is, yeah. is he writes poetry, so it's, it's, it's really, really powerful. Um, so I, I would say that. I don't know about you and what kind of... Yeah. I'm afraid I have don't have a list of recommendations like you, Ali, but um, I definitely like Fanon's work. The book I'm going to recommend is accessible to the general reader. So even if someone is... And it's, it's, it's about Bahrain, so it's relevant to people interested in the Gulf, but it's also very relevant if you're interested in, you know, how colonialism functioned by dividing populations. So it's, a go- again, the question of sectarianism and divisions. Um, so this book really... Um, I mean, it really helped me think about these ideas in my own research. It's a good read as well. It's um, it's by Omar al-Shihabi, who's a Bahraini scholar. Um, and it's from 2019. It's called Contested Modernity, Sectarianism, Nationalism, and Colonialism in Bahrain. And so basically, it's even, like I said, even though it's set in the early 20th century Bahrain, um, it's very much relevant to thinking how Bahrain is a country that is often viewed through the lens of sectarianism that you mentioned is, is often very problematic, um, how that lens is cannot be understood without looking back at those earlier, and, and this is pre-oil as well, right? It's before the, discover, before the discovery of oil in Bahrain. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's just perhaps a way of reading about the Gulf, but also in, in comparison with other regions that have been subjected to similar forms of um, colonial domination. I, I just want to pick up on that and say that I find it very difficult um, and to, to suggest something, to, to suggest readings that are from the region, which is, um, and it's really interesting that I've always found Latin American decolonial thought much more generative to think the region than a lot of the stuff that's being written in the region. And I think that really kind of, I mean, one of the things that we didn't talk about, but well, that's really relevant here is um, how do different parts of the global south relate to one another and how do they speak to one another yes and what kind of conversations can we have between you know different parts of asia different parts of africa um not latin, you know, latin america or, uh, and also indigenous communities and, and across across the americas 
um, and the knowledge they have and, and how can we think these spots because you know it's the same colonial structures that that produced all of these spaces and that structure them throughout so how can we think the, the, these different regions in relation to one another I think is a really yeah so so I would I would, yeah so I don't think it's super problematic for me to be centering Latin American <laughs> stuff and thinking the region um, because you know I, I think for example Grosfukel is probably much more generative. I found it much more generative to think the region than a lot of, you know, but obviously that, that gets risky or, or the limitations of that would be to marginalize or erase the knowledge that is being produced in the region because, of course, there's a lot and it's really powerful and really important as well and, and equally generative in many different ways. Yeah. So the politics of that are interesting to think about and, and maybe problematic in many different ways. But but yeah, so last thing would be kind of something a bit, a bit wider, so art form. Uh, yes. I don't know, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, my suggestion of, of my one like artistic response to decoloniality it doesn't come from the region. Interestingly, it comes from Latin America. No so way. <laughs> I'm hoping it, you know it. But I got introduced to the song through um, because it's actually with a Palestinian singer. So the song is called Sumo Sur, which means us, the South, or in Arabic, they've translated it as Nahnu Janoub. So basically, it's by um, this French um, Chilean singer, Ana Tijoux. And it's sang with um, a Palestinian rapper, British-Palestinian rapper called um, Shadia Mansour. So, I, I mean, again, I, this has nothing to do with the region that I work on. But, but obviously, I mean, solidarity with the Palestinian cause is in that, um, in that song. And the song is basically, um, it's just about the solidarity of people from the global south. And it has so much energy. So if you listen or watch, uh, or watch it, it just captures the solidarity of um, people from the global south against colonial and uh, domination against capitalism, etc., um, etc. Et uh, so that's my recommendation. That's that's interesting because my you know more cultural recommendation is a bit more relevant to the region actually. <laughs> okay. um, and so I think two people and also it's also music which is interesting right because I think there's a lot that's been happening in terms of the music scene, and I think two people that have been really important for me in, in kind of thinking these things and. Um, that wh- whose music contains a lot is one Loki, who's uh, an Iraqi, Iraqi British, but you know, um, Iraqi musician. I don't want to call him rapper. He's also, you know, he's an activist and he has a lot of really, really good work, mostly about the region. Um, so he has a really good song, uh, you know, called Ahmed, um, that where he reflects on my, the, the Mediterranean and, and uh, the so-called refugee crisis and, and death in the Mediterranean. He also has another one called The Sea or something along those lines. He has a one called The Terrorist um, or Terrorist with a question mark. And he has all of this music that's that's very much about the region and that's very much engaging with the region, but that very much you know centers these questions of the colonial, the imperial, uh, Eurocentrism and so on. And another one is... Um, a, a French, well, he, he's you know French. Uh, he, he he does music in French. Uh, he's Kerry James, and he does a lot about you know Islamophobia in France and, and anti-Muslim racism in France, but also questions more broadly about modernity. So he has a really really powerful song called Somo, which means without me, um, and it's basically saying that you know this the system that that is being put in place, it you know it doesn't work for me. It, it, I'm not going to be a part of, you know, destroying the planet. I'm not going to be a part of these these pursuits that, that you're making me pursue. Um, and his, his other really good one is called uh, Lettre à la République, which, which is a uh, letter to the Republic, where he kind of speaks to France as a Republic and, and what it means to him and what it has done to him. 
uh, someone who has grown up there who's he's, he's, he's black as well so um, he, he identifies as black Muslim and, and, and so I think those are really powerful those are two powerful musicians but I think there's you know there's a music scene that's that's out there that's been engaging with with these questions for quite some time it's really interesting to think it through you might want to add that to your you know looking at the culture of production and, and, and so yes. on there's, there's yes. definitely a lot there <laughs> thank you Hey, it was a really nice um, chance to have a conversation with you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we touched on a lot. That was, yes. that was great. Yes, lots of food for thought. Thank you for listening to Decolonizing Ideas, an occasional podcast series by the Institute for Advanced Studies in the Humanities at the University of Edinburgh. We would like to thank Dr. Ali Kassem and Dr. Nadine Dakak for their incredible contributions to this episode and offer a very special thank you to Saber Bamatraf for composing and performing our fantastic intro music. You can find a link to his music in the episode description. This series is produced by Dr. Ben Fletcher-Watson, branding and production by Lucian Stadden-Foster, recording and editing by Eric Berger. <laughs>